Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message. Good morning. How is everyone today? Do I have any teachers in the room? That was a woohoo of a teacher who is already on summer break. I might be wrong. Oh, so close, Kelsey. She's like, I'm so close. So close. Oh, wait. Christina, okay. Lucky dog. Uh, It's been quite the school year. (laughs) This has nothing to do with the message, but uh, we're ready in our house. I'll tell you, we are ready. By the way, my name is Emily Snyder, uh, and I'm on the preaching team here at the Vineyard. uh, And we are excited to welcome you to church today. Whether you are here in the room or whether you're on the live stream, we're glad you're here. We are glad to be in the house of the Lord together. Yeah. So, uh, okay, we're in the middle of a series, Who He Says He Is. We are looking uh, in the book of John, and we are looking at all the places where Jesus says, I am, then insert something here, okay? So, uh, a question that I've been asking my kids lately, when we talk about the Bible, uh, if I tell them a little Bible story or we talk about Jesus or whatever, a question I have been asking my children lately is, okay, now that you've you know heard this story or whatever, what does that tell you about what God is like? And I love hearing their responses, but it's also a very good question for us. What does that tell you about what God is like? So as we are diving into these I am statements of Jesus, uh, keep that in the forefront of your mind. Because the answer, we, we need to look no further than Jesus, right? Jesus tells us what God is like. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, uh, he is revealing so much to us. And today we're going to be looking at John 10. Let's go ahead and bring it up. We're going to be in this passage, um, I think the next two weeks. Shepherds. I know nothing about sheep tending, so this will be fun. (laughs) Here we go. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him. Because why? They know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration, I love this, didn't understand what he meant, like like always. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am, there it is, 
the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Isn't that good news for us this morning? Okay, when I was a kid, I may have mentioned this before up here, but when I was a kid, I grew up on a campground. Okay, I lived at camp. My dad was the camp director. It was pretty cool. Okay, and we had this driveway. It's probably not as long as I thought it was as a kid now looking back, but we had this driveway and it snaked through, I mean, this like there's a pond and a f- woods and all this stuff all the way back to our house. But there was this other part of the campground that you could get to if you veered off of the driveway and really you shouldn't be back there, right? <laughs> People didn't need to go back there and yet they did. And I was probably... Uh, too young to know what was happening, okay, uh, back there. <laughs> but what the solution was, was this big gate was put up at the very front of the driveway. Now, any time we needed to leave, we had to go through the gate. Guess whose job it was? To get out of the car and open the gate, mine and my brother's. Did we fight about this? All the time. I'm sure my parents dreaded leaving the house because they were like, oh. and you had to be careful because the gate could swing back and smash the windshield of the car. So was it a two-person job? It was, but then we'd be like, you just do it. I did it last time. Okay. But it was an effective way to keep people out of the parts of the camp where they did not need to be. Uh, now that I'm a parent, how many of you in the room have baby gates in your house? Okay, we have witnessed Quite the evolution of gates in our house. Here's how it started with our first child. We would take, do you remember this, Dusty? Like pieces of our furniture and just make a little pin to hold her. And it was not big, okay? I'm talking like a maybe four foot by five or maybe five foot space. And that was as far as she could go. Second kid comes along, we decide, okay. This is crazy. So we put up a gate on uh, both of the entrances to the living room, and Ari had a little bit more freedom, okay? Now that we have three children and we are more tired, uh, there is a gate that has been up. I think it might have just become a permanent fixture of the home. Um, So there is a gate that's up. Does it get latched often? No. And Callum has total free reign of the house. And you wonder when I say... He's into everything. Well, it's because we haven't taken all the furniture and created a little baby pen for him. He just has free reign of the house. The gate is not quite a deterrent (laughs) for him. Gates are practical safeguards, right, for something that otherwise would have trouble defending itself, an empty piece of land, a child who doesn't understand why you can't touch a hot stove, Now, I just mentioned that I don't know a lot about sheep, okay? But what I do know is when given the option to fight or run away, what is a sheep going to do? Run away, right? They're going to flee. 
They're not great at defending themselves, so of course it would make sense that especially at night, when it might be easier for predators to come and find vulnerable prey, to go ahead and just lock them up, right? Put them all together in one room, and or in one, in a room. <laughs> Bring the sheep inside. <laughs> uh, put them all together in one place and, and keep them safe. Uh, and this is where we pick up on uh, Jesus' I am saying this morning. Uh, Jesus is kind of working backward to get to the point he's trying to make. He starts out very broad, right? And then when the crowd says, we, we don't understand, he just narrows it down very, very narrowly down to, I am the gate. Full life is found through me. Other means will lead to ruin. Other means will lead to ruin. So this morning, I just want to dig into a couple implications of the I am statement. I am the gate. Uh, And the first is that since Jesus is the gate, life is through him. Uh, Here's a question that we've all asked. Maybe not out loud, but as an adult, we have all asked ourselves, how can I live a fulfilling life? Right? And the funny thing about this question is we've all come up with different answers for it. Just look around. Yeah, we've all come up with different answers for it. Um, I'm going to share what I thought a rich and satisfying life was 15 years ago. It's a little cringy. Are you ready? Uh, I figured I'd get married to Dusty, and I did. Um, I assumed we would have children, one, maybe two, Uh, I thought we would move overseas and be missionaries, which there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think Dusty was on board. He literally just went, (laughs) Um, but that's kind of what I wanted to do. Or we had this other idea where we would um, open a laundromat as like a ministry. I don't know. Um, It's actually not a bad idea, but that's kind of what we were thinking. We're going to open up a laundromat. And then we also wanted to just live in like this Christian, hippie with other people. You know, Lori's like, yes, I know what you mean. Other people, communes, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, That is what 15 years ago I thought this is the way. Okay. Now, some of you are probably in here like, well, it's not so bad. <laughs> and some of you, like my parents were, were like, oh, I don't know about that. You might want to rethink those plans. Uh, here's how life panned out. I did get married. We have three kids. We moved away for a little bit, but like, we live here. <laughs> uh, I don't like doing laundry at all. In fact, Dusty does it all. Uh, and he works for the most corporate <laughs> of corporations. There's no hippiness happening <laughs> in our house. Uh, it's, it's quite an interesting thought exercise. Ask yourself, okay, what did I think a rich and satisfying life was 15 years ago? I don't have to go that far back because I'm not that old. So maybe some of you may have to say 30 years ago, but I was barely born. So it's fine. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, But ask yourself, go as far back as you need to, uh, what did I think a rich and satisfying life was? And then ask yourself, what do I think it is now? And then compare it 
to what Jesus actually says in John 10. Here is what he says. He doesn't mention money, fame, marriage, children. He doesn't go into specifics at all, right? Which tells me that everybody's journey can and will look a little different. But we all have a common starting point, and we all uh, have the same thing that carries us through because a rich and satisfying life is a life spent near to the shepherd. Going to and from good pasture with the Lord. You can have your accomplishments, your achievements, your paychecks, your diplomas, even your laundromats, right? Uh, But apart from that daily rhythm of being part of the flock, they will fall short. And you will be found wondering, what what is a rich and satisfying life? And I I don't want to miss this as well. Uh, If in your mind's eye, the picture that you see is Jesus as a shepherd, rolling hills, and yourself as a sheep with no other sheep around you, you are in for quite a surprise. Because the kingdom of heaven, the gospel of the kingdom, flourishes in community. I, maybe I am a little bit of a Christian hippie. Okay? It flourishes in community. We are doing this together. Uh, we really can't let anything fool us or, or keep us away from that fact. Uh, in fact... Isolation is a thief and a robber. Uh, Thieves and robbers don't have to be people climbing walls. And anybody in here who has struggled with loneliness can tell you, yeah, like that'll kill you eventually. It will. Uh, It's just not the Lord's heart. If we look at the passage we read this morning in Ezekiel, he's talking about what his collective people, not one person. Psalm 68, he puts the lonely into families. There was a party when the prodigal son came back into the family. It is the Lord's heart for us to walk this together. All right. So, implication number two uh, since Jesus is the gate, we have a response right? Uh, We must learn to hear, recognize, and respond. As I was reading through this passage this week, I kept like rereading it because it felt a little slippery in my brain. I was like, there's something there I can't quite put my finger on. I'm missing something. Uh, And of course, I've read this so many times. It just felt like the Lord was saying, keep going, keep going, keep going. You're almost there. You're almost there. You're almost there. Um, but I found this connection. It seems like the, a very unrelated connection, but it is in fact deeply uh, related and important. It is a gate opening and the sheep hearing and responding. Uh, dogs do this too. How many of you all have a dog at home? I have seen my dog be laying in his bed, and he can tell whose car is pulling into the driveway 
without looking if it is a stranger's car. If you've come to my house, you know, he's, he's going to get you. <laughs> uh, but if it's like Dusty's car, he's, he's very excited in a different way, and he's not even looking. He's just hearing it, right? Uh, something really touching that I read when I was studying this week, uh, often in, in Jesus' time, those gates, uh, we think of like, you know, I think of the gate that I grew up with you know, at the campground. But really those gates were just open, empty spaces. And once all the sheep were inside, the shepherd would lay himself down in the open space and act as the gate. That is very powerful imagery uh, because the shepherd could then determine who or what was able to enter the sheep pen. Here's something else that's also true. Thieves and robbers have voices too. They do. So what this should tell us is that origin is really important here. Uh, if the voice that you have t- tuned your heart to hear is coming from the gate, you can be assured that you are hearing the Lord and you are uh, headed into a life that is rich and abundant, full of good pasture. If, on the other hand, the voices you have tuned your heart to hear are coming at you from above the wall or maybe tunneling under somehow, uh, again, you can be assured that those are the voices that are not out for your good or for the good of the rest of the flock. Um, And I just want to kind of strip away the metaphor here as well, okay? Because here's what happens. Every day from the moment we wake up until the time we go to bed, we are receiving input. It could be just, you know, from the people who live in your home, from your coworkers, from your classmates, but it also comes in the form of social media, the news, newspaper. If anybody reads that? <laughs> um, all manner of things. We are hearing voices all day long. So when we boil this down into its purest form, the question is, are those voices speaking life into you? And I am not talking about life on your terms. I am not talking about like your inner truth that you create. I am talking about Are these voices speaking life that is up to the standard of the kingdom of God? Or do you find that these voices are sowing discontent, anxiety, isolation, depression, loneliness, and ultimately destruction in your heart? It's a real risk. Furthermore, The question is, what do we do when we find that we've been listening to the wrong voices? Because it does happen, right? Uh, I'm going to give you an example from my week. I debated on sharing this because it is kind of personal, but I think it's important. I think it's really important. I don't know why this happens, but I've noticed um, a cycle in my life uh, every year right before school gets out. I become an anxious mess. Uh, And I give in 
to anxieties that I carry with me that are kind of just, you know, like there, but they don't generally affect my life. But every year in May, I give in and I give in to them hard. Has anybody ever done that? Uh, Dr. Google, anyone? Okay. <laughs> uh, dreading the summer. It's just, I feel so heavy. And I realized this week, I'm like, gosh, this happens every year. Why? Why am I listening to these voices? One day, uh, I was doing dishes. I, was, I don't remember what I was doing. I was standing at the kitchen sink. And I physically, it's like I physically felt myself come up for air. And in that moment, the Lord said, Emily, you are listening to the wrong things. These are not voices that are for life and abundance for you. You're listening to the wrong things. Come back. And the Lord met me right in my kitchen. The Lord met me and I was like, oh, there it is. Thank God. Because I was feeling smushed, right? Eventually, those voices are going to snuff you out. Had I allowed it to keep continuing, I mean, I probably would be up here today, an empty shell of a human being <laughs> saying these things, but really questioning everything I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, but the Lord was there, and thank God, when we stray, because it does happen, uh, if we've done the work, our hearts will recognize and, and hear who is speaking to us. And that is how the Lord brings us back through the gate of life and goodness. Does that make sense? Yeah. He is so faithful. He's so faithful. Okay. The third implication. Since Jesus is the gate, there is an invitation for us. So a question for us to consider this morning. When you hear Jesus say, I am the gate, uh, do you picture that as a gate keeping things out or a gate allowing things in? A uh, different way to put it, is this a gate of welcome or a gate of exclusivity? Do all the sheep look like you? Do all the sheep that Jesus allows in think the same way you do? Vote the same way you do? Live in the same place where you live? Now, I would like to think that every one of us would answer that question publicly as, well, of course not. <laughs> uh, if you're a sheep and you recognize the shepherd's voice, you're in through the gate. Uh, but our private answers may be a little murkier, and it may not even be on purpose. Okay, Because we, we did a whole series last fall on things that we carry with us, right? our upbringing, our family of origin, all these things, determine uh, how we think about the other sheep around us. And we've all probably seen somebody here at church and thought, oh, how'd you get in? <laughs> Hopefully not, but that happens. We could even take this one step further, and it's a little icky to think about, but there are whole groups of believers who have appointed themselves as gatekeepers to determine who's in and who's out. And here is what happens. It runs a very real risk of genuine followers of Jesus 
being portrayed as or vilified as the thieves and robbers were warned about in this passage. This happens in big ways, in small ways, in public ways, Twitter, and private ways, close to home and on a global level, every day, every single day. So Jesus, the gate to the sheep pen, is both good news for all of us and an invitation to start viewing others around us as he does. Not the way we can so easily see them through our own family, culture, political, socioeconomic, or religious lenses. And do you know what that's called? Discipleship. Yeah. It is the daily in and out rhythm of being with the shepherd, of knowing his voice, of knowing how he tends to us, and also knowing how he tends to the others around us. No sheep determines who can come in and out of the gate, just as none of us determine who is part of God's family. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and have the band come back up. I have more to say, but they need time. <laughs> uh, We've covered a lot of ground this morning. I think there's a lot to think about. Um, Ultimately, I feel like this message is one of our very favorite vineyard buzzwords, both and, right? Uh, Jesus is the gate, the way to life, and there are thieves and robbers trying to bring death and destruction. Both of these things are true. Uh, The shepherd daily walks us to and from safe pasture and we can also go astray. Jesus is the decider of who enters the fold, and humans often try to take that role upon themselves. Um, All of these things are true. They do happen. But here is what I want us to receive this morning, is that the Lord's heart, and has been since the very beginning, is that his flock is loved, kept, and cared for. That's not just the heart of a shepherd toward his sheep. That is the heart of a father towards his children. Um, I, I have three kids. I've been a parent for eight years, which is longer than some and much shorter than others. Um, and we've had our ups and downs, right? As you do with kids. But here is what I have never done. I have never locked my own children out of the house. I've never even considered it. I'm not even going to stand up here and joke like, "Mm, I've thought about it. I've never even considered it, right? I've never caused my children to have to resort to the ways of a thief and a robber to get back into my home where they belong. And here we see just like the beautiful like synchronicity of the gospel uh, Jesus says in Matthew right if your child asks you for bread are you gonna give them a stone and if your child asks you for fish are you gonna give them a snake no of course not and if the father or if a sinful parent knows how to give good gifts 
how much more so does the father? Well, we can apply that today as well. If a sinful parent knows that you do not lock your child out of the house, how much more so does the father know that that gate is open and available to you because that gate is Jesus himself. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.